0: Thank you, all of you. Uh, Good to be here today. I'm uh, a little more sore than my normal Sunday. Me and a couple other guys from church ran a 15-mile relay race yesterday, or at least that's what they told us. They told us it was a 15-mile relay. It was actually longer than that, so they tricked us, but that's okay. We survived, and even better than that, so we each each took a part of it. We didn't have to run 15 miles ourselves. That's, That's... I'm not doing that. I'm not around 15 miles. Uh, but we actually came in second place. So we were pretty happy about that. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, don't ask how many relay teams there were. Uh, that, that part's not important. What, what's important, there, there were two. But what's important is, what's important, we came in second. We came in second place. So you can't take that from us. Uh, but we had a good time and we laughed a lot and, and nobody got sick or hurt. So that was a win. Uh, almost got sick, but we didn't. We didn't. Uh, oh, so anyways, yeah, it's, it's good to be here today. Um, I'm going to be preaching about peace today. Uh, I think peace is something that we all like. As the uh, bumper said, peace of mind. I think it's something that is important to all of us, probably helpful to all of us, Um, and it's this time as we get ready to enter into the holiday season with Thanksgiving and Christmas, and it's supposed to be festive and celebratory and Jesus, and but it's also chaotic and stressful and stuff, (laughs) just lots of stuff that goes on with this season. So we'll be talking about peace today, and when it comes to peace, there's this interesting thing that goes on in the bible and almost if you look at it just on the surface it almost seems like the bible is contradicting itself it, it, it's not but if you were to look at it just on the surface it almost seems like it does and philippians you have paul telling us that uh, the god of peace will give us peace that passes all understanding and i'll we'll guard our hearts in christ jesus and yay that sounds good and the gospels you have jesus telling us in this world you will have trouble so which is it? Like is it we will have peace or we have trouble? Like I I like the one a lot more than I like the other, but but I think it's not a contradictory thing. In my opinion, it's peace is peace is different than what we think it is. The peace that God promises us isn't the peace that means everything around us is going going really going really, really well. There's a lack of conflict, there's a lack of lack of struggle, a lack of strife. The peace that God promises us is much deeper than that. So we'll talk about that today. And then we'll talk about three things we can do that'll help us get there. Just three, because that's the way my mind works. And anything beyond three, I forget. I can't remember. Anything past three, that's the end. That's all I have. Uh, But this sermon, even though I've known for a couple weeks I was going to be preaching on this sermon, The sermon is probably one that started, God started working with me on, about five years ago when my mother unexpectedly passed away at the age of 50 from a heart attack. And the peace that I thought I had in my life, it kind of fell apart. And it it wasn't what I thought it was. But through that thing, God has brought me, helps teach me, continuing to teach me a different level of peace, a different level of trust in God, a different level of closeness to Him. So we'll talk about that today. Turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 29. Psalm chapter 29, and all of our readings today will be in in the Psalms. And this one, like the rest of them we'll read today, are Psalms of David. May the Lord give strength to His people. May the Lord bless His people with peace. And again, that's a thing that we want in our life. And again, if we were looking at this as, as nothing more than peace apart from struggle, then it would be easy to say that maybe God didn't answer this prayer for David, because David's life was anything but peaceful, if you look at it on just on the surface. And again, some of that was his own doing, his own mistakes, and his own failings, and some of it was just the nature of the role that God had placed him in. In fact, David's life was so much a a life of war, that when it came time to make plans for the temple, David really wanted to build that temple. But God said to him, David, you can't. That's not you. Too much blood on your hands. You're a man of war. Your son Solomon, he'll be the one to build the temple. So even though this peace that David asked for, you may look at David's life and think, well, that never actually came because his life, up until the very end, really, was a lot of chaos a lot of struggle so what is this peace that god promises promises us what is this peace that god gives his people well the hebrew word there uh that the bible uses for this term peace is shalom which just sounds peaceful saying right? it just kind of feels good like oh, i'm having a really stressful day shalom ah, i feel a little bit better now like try it this week see if it works if it doesn't work um sorry, I guess, like, I tried, like, I don't have any research behind this thing, I'm just making it up as I go, I don't know what's going on, but it just feels like a very peaceful word, but the word itself actually has a really deep and interesting meaning, it means wholeness, wholeness, to be complete, to feel like I'm not striving after thing, after thing, after thing, just to be, to be satisfied, how good would that feel? I don't know about you, but I am, I am a list maker. I like to make lists of things that I have to do throughout the day. Uh, as I mentioned before, focus is not one of my strong suits. Uh, anything beyond three or four, look, number f- there was a five and a fifth number. I don't know what that was. It just kind of escapes me, so I have to make lists of things. But I don't know if you've noticed this. If you make lists, I get two things done, and then I look at my list, and it's gotten five numbers bigger. Like, I'm not good at math but it's not supposed to work that way, right? Like I'm supposed to get something done, cross it off, and then move on to the next thing. But it seems like if I get caught up in that list, then there's just always something more. And if we're not careful, we will find ourselves chasing that thing forever, because the to-do list never fully goes away, does it? So what God promises us is wholeness, And then it goes on, the word does, it talks about having peace with God, peace with others, and peace with ourselves. Peace of God, peace with God, sometimes that can be difficult because we know us, right? We know the failures of our heart, we know the sinful nature of our lives, and sometimes it can be hard to believe that the blood of Christ has actually washed us clean, Sometimes it can be hard to believe that Jesus Christ really is the victory. And he's really given us that victory. And we don't have to live with that shame anymore. That can be really, really difficult to be at peace with God. But that's what God promises us. Peace with others? That's really hard. Like, Because I don't know if you know this about people, but people do people stuff right? That's, that's exactly what people do. Anytime a person does something that annoys you or frustrates you, that's just a people being people, right? Because we do that. And uh, Paul gives us this really great encouragement. He says, as much as it's up to you, live at peace with everyone else. As much as it's up to you. There's a lot when it comes to being at peace with other people that is outside of our control. And if we're not careful, we will try really hard to take control of the things that we can't control. And then we live with that stress and that worry and that tension because we want to fix it so, so bad, but we can't. Peace with ourselves. As I've worked with people over the years, particularly in the area of forgiveness, it can be difficult to forgive ourselves. Sometimes, to be honest with you, it's easier for me to forgive other people because that's just a people doing people things. So I can forgive that. I can walk away from that. But the expectations I have for myself, they're different than I have for other people. That's probably good in some sense. I shouldn't put my expectations of behavior on everybody. But also, should I hold a grudge against myself? Should I be bitter at myself for my failings or my mistakes? If God forgives me, maybe I should forgive me too. And that's the peace that God promises promises us, is to have a peace like that, to live with a sense of wholeness. Now that peace, that might mean everything around me is kind of chaotic and kind of crazy, but if I can have wholeness with God, if I can have peace with the others, the people that are closest to me, as much as it is up to me, and peace with myself... That well, changes things, doesn't it? That might help us live like God's people in every area of our life. Well, we don't have to carry all those burdens and all that stress anymore. So how do we get to that place of peace? Well, like I said, I have a few things, three to be exact, and they're all in the, in the book of the Psalms. So it turns me to Psalm chapter 39. It's just a few short steps away from where we are already. Psalm 39, another Psalm of David. And he says this Surely a man goes about as a shadow, surely for nothing there in turmoil. Man heaps up wealth and does not know who will gather. That phrase, surely a man goes about as a shadow, reminds me of Solomon in Ecclesiastes when he says, Life is but a vapor. It's like the morning mist, it's here in a moment and then it's gone. Or Paul in his epistles when he says, Um, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. This life is extremely fleeting, and most of the things that we get upset about are also very fleeting, right? They're very small things in the grand scope of life, right? So this week, I did some thinking about what are the things that frustrate me the most, and then I did some additional research, and by research, I mean I typed some stuff into Google and hit the search button, and Google found things for me. That's. Research is so easy, so, so easy. Uh, but uh, I found a list of 16 things that people complain about the most. Uh, a very exhaustive list. Uh, I won't name them all because it's more than three, and I can't remember anything. I've already established that. I can't, I don't expect that out of me. Can't remember anything more than that. And I don't want to bring my phone up here because it would just distract me. But one of the things that was on the list, and you don't have to raise your hand if you've done this this week, but just I just want you to think about this slow internet or slow technology. Any of you complained about that this week? I have multiple times, right? You expect the thing to go quickly and then it doesn't. It takes 30 seconds instead of 15. What am I supposed to do for that extra 15 seconds, right? It's stealing that away from me, right? That's one thing people complain about. That's probably not that big of a deal. Another thing, number 10 on the list, and this one amused me very much, was Monday. People complain about Monday a lot. Have you ever found yourself, maybe you're already making plans to do that tomorrow. I don't know. It's between you and God. Uh, But I don't know if you know this about Monday, is it happens. 52 weeks of the year, it shows up. Every every Monday, it's there. But still, when Monday happens, we act like we're surprised by it. Like like Saturday is going pretty good, then Sunday we enjoy ourselves, and then we get hit by a two-by-four called Monday. Like, where did that even come from? I did not (laughs) expect that to happen. No, it does. Every, every Sunday, every day after Sunday, we get Monday, which is probably a good thing. I was thinking about this today, too. I'd probably get bored with Sunday eventually. I mean, sitting in sweatpants watching football all day is fun, but eventually I'm going to grow tired of that. It's not going to be good for my soul. So Sunday Monday is one thing. third one that was on the list, I think this was number eight, uh, was the weather. And, and we have no control over the weather whatsoever, and yet we find ourselves complaining about it all the time. Uh, I used to work in a factory; it was one of my first jobs after ministry school. And I did these, this joke two times a year that I thought was the most hilarious joke ever. Uh, every winter, I'd roll up to somebody on my forklift and I'd say, "I'm glad they finally got the air conditioning working," and then I would drive away because that's not—it's not that funny. But I thought it was hilarious. And then every summer, I'd roll up to somebody and say, ha, I'm glad they finally got the heat working. And then I would, it's not funny, but for five years at that factory, I did that joke every, twice a year. It was great joy of my heart. Um, <clears throat> easily entertained, very easily entertained. But we complain about these things, and the grand scope of things, they, they don't mean a whole lot. Our life is, is but a shadow. Man walks around like a shadow, I think one of the things that's helpful if we're going to live with a sense of peace is, do I really need to be stressing about that thing? In fact, I would suggest that the majority of the stress that happens in our life is not because of the experiences in our life, because of how we're responding to those experiences. There's a lot that happens to me on a daily, weekly, and a monthly basis that I can't control I have no control over that stuff whatsoever. I can't make it happen. I can't stop my kids from getting the flu. I can't stop my vehicle from breaking down. There's a lot of things that I can't control. But my reaction? Whether or not I choose to trust God in spite of the circumstances? That I can control. And yet so often, I find myself, and maybe you do too, causing more stress for myself just because of my perspective because I have a faulty perspective on the thing. So if we can change our perspective and focus on the things that we can control and focus on our relationship with God, maintaining that wholeness with Him, I think that'll help us experience a greater degree of peace in our life. Second one is honesty. Number one was perspective. Number two is honesty. Philippians, sorry, not Philippians. Psalm chapter 38, verses 8 and 9. David says this, I am feeble and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. Ever felt that way? Ever felt feeble and crushed? And maybe you didn't use the word tumult to describe it because it's not a word we use very often. Fun little assignment today, this week. Maybe throw that in in a few conversations, see what happens this week. Even though we don't use it, I think we know exactly what it means. Chaos and frustration. Sometimes that's where it feels like life is. Verse nine O Lord, all my longing is before you. My sighing is not hidden from you. In these verses and throughout the Psalms, really, you see David being completely and radically honest with God. Just laying everything out before him. God, I am crushed. God, I am angry. One moment he's praying for his enemy's teeth to be crushed. Right? He's completely and totally honest with God. In the Psalms, they have this interesting flow to them. As I've been reading through them, usually it starts with, This is really, really bad. I'm in tumult, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. I feel hopeless and abandoned. And then by the time you get to the end of the psalm, it's, but I will trust in you, my Lord. I will not lose faith in you. I will keep trusting in you. There's this interesting flow that happens. And I think that when we are honest with God and we get that stuff off of our chest, then we actually find healing. And we actually find the peace that we need in spite of our circumstances because then that thing's not holding us up anymore. It's not even us up from the inside. And I think if we're going to be talking about honesty, I don't know if this is true or not, but it seems this way. It seems like, for the most part, maybe men have a more difficult time being honest. Maybe. Maybe we hide our emotions. Maybe we hide our thoughts. Maybe we hide our feelings a little bit more than others do. And for David, I don't think it was just honesty with God. If you read through 1 Samuel, you see this amazing relationship, relationship between David and Jonathan, where there is this, this deep sense of trust and brotherhood between the two of them, where when it comes, David finds out that Jonathan has died, David is heartbroken he's weeping and he's falling apart on the inside. You don't respond like that unless you have a deep relationship with somebody, unless you've taken some time to be honest with them and they've taken some time to be honest with you. So David had that in his life. He also had this guy named Nathan in his life who was willing to be brutally honest with him. After David's mistakes with Bathsheba and the affair and the death of Uriah and the death of their son, after all of that, Nathan comes to David and says, David, you've sinned. You've fallen away from God. You are that man are the words that Nathan uses. David had people in his life that were honest with him and helped him see his blind spots. That's really, really difficult. But if we're going to experience peace, then we need that kind of honesty, don't we? We can't carry that stuff with us forever. So maybe for this week, maybe it's just the step of trying to be honest with somebody close to you. Or maybe it's being that person for somebody else, being that person that's just there. And is you are willing to be the hands and feet of Christ in that moment and let them share with you what's actually going on in their life. But we need that kind of honesty because the more we try to bottle it up, the stronger its hold on us. And the further and further it pulls us away from God. So number one was perspective. Number two was honesty. Number three is just relentless trust in God. Psalm chapter 40. Psalm chapter 40 verses 11 and 12. David says this, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will preserve me for the evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. But David begins that with, as for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and faithfulness will ever preserve me. David doesn't go into this difficult situation thinking it's all him by himself there's this relentless trust in God even though it may not make sense even though his inequities are are overtaking him his enemies are more than the hairs on his head David is still continuing to trust in God regardless of what the situation is regardless of where the circumstances are if we're going to be people that experience God's peace that shalom that he promises us then There has to be a willingness in us to trust in God, even though it doesn't make sense. Even though it is extremely, extremely difficult. And even though it feels like it may never, ever get better. But continue to trust the truth of God more than we trust our eyeballs sometimes. And sometimes I think that's the essence of faith. But as we go through those circumstances, as we go through those times in our life... I think what we'll find is that our faith actually grows. And with each challenge that comes our way, it becomes a little bit less difficult. Not easy, and maybe not even easier, but it becomes a little bit less difficult to maintain that trust, maintain, to maintain that sense of peace in God. I know for me, I mentioned my mother's passing over five years ago, and that was a moment in time extended beyond a moment that I felt like my peace was shattered. Since that time, there's been other things that have happened in my life that, that threatened to take my peace away, and at times did start to rob me of that. But as I continue to grow, as I continue to experience situations like that, it feels like my, my strength and my trust in God grows. And this has nothing to do with me having figured this stuff out. This is God's speaking this to me maybe more than he is speaking it to anybody else. But if we can have the right perspective on life, that's all his anyways, this life is but a shadow. If we can be honest with others, with ourselves, and with God. And if through all of that, if we can continue to relentlessly trust in him, then I think we'll start to find that peace that God promises us in Paul's letter to the Church of Philippi even in the midst of the trouble that Jesus warned us was coming, we can still experience that sense of peace, that sense of shalom. So let's pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you that you do grant us the peace that is beyond all understanding. I thank you that your love for us never fails, never falls apart. And God, when we're hurting, when we feel lost and broken, I thank you that you put us in a family. You put us with people who can gather around us and support us. In your name, amen.